So we do this today by opening up our community to the public to get an in-depth look at our special places, how they are at risk, and what we're doing about it. This is Leslie Ann McGee, Director of Special Projects and Marine Facilities and Operations with the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. The overall goals of Resilient Woods Hole, as many of you know, are to protect our institutional, our business, and our residential assets, and to sustain the economic contributions of the village, which are vast. This fall, Leslie spoke at the launch for a virtual walking trail laid out around the Woods Hole Village in Falmouth. That trail was created by an organization called Resilient Woods Hole, which kick-started in 2019. Visitors to Woods Hole can go to these silver posts that are placed all around town, and then they scan a QR code to download an app. The app guides visitors around the village to places that are vulnerable to climate change. At each stop, tour goers can learn about the hard work that people have been putting in to protect the village. Local scientific organizations like the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution, or HUI, the Marine Biological Laboratory, the Woods Hole Group, and NOAA partnered to create Resilient Woods Hole. They partnered up after NOAA found that sea levels had risen 10 inches in less than a century. That trend is expected to accelerate and bring with it storm surges and habitat changes like marshlands becoming open water. This is Peter Domenical, president of HUI. Today, we apparently receive about seven days of flooding a year. And in about 15 years' time, that's going to be 20. And then by the middle of the century, it's about 50. So it gives you an idea of, um, of just how, how urgent uh, the response is. And really, it's only through this collaborative effort, such as uh, what we have here with Resilient Woods Hole, that we can come together as a community to work together. In 2020, the Woods Hole Group commissioned a study that found that the majority of Woods Hole, the village that houses the scientific organizations, will be inundated with floodwaters on an annual basis in the coming decades. Scientists realized that it was time to do something to make the village resilient in the face of climate change. We can stop, quote, admiring the problem of climate change and start taking direct action through planning with a broad spectrum of community interests. But the project goes beyond just the scientific campuses. Leslie has said again and again that Resilient Woods Hole is a community project. Working groups made up of local residents who want to protect their homes from coming floodwaters have been analyzing the data provided by HUI and other scientific organizations. Together, they are trying to find the best solutions that will keep their heads and their houses above water. This is the Upper Cape Catch by The Enterprise. We bring you the most pressing news in Bourne, Sandwich, Mashpee, and Falmouth. I'm your host, Noelle Annanen. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at how community members on the Upper Cape are adapting and working to protect their best-loved places from the ravages of climate change. So they've been, been meeting and looking at the flood situation, and people have been assessing their, on an individual basis their, their houses, but also um, things that they can do as a, as a group within their neighborhood. Pamela Harvey has lived on Cape for years, and her family has always owned a home in Woods Hole. According to Pam, it really takes a village to protect a village from storms and sea level rise. And then also there's overlapping things between neighborhoods. So an example of that was the Stony Beach, which the MBL owns, and a project there that... Um, is a nature-based solution to grow some, grow some dunes there. Will provide flood mitigation for for um, a small neighborhood there. Houses. Pam joined a working group set up by Resilient Woods Hole months ago. She has been working with her neighbors to troubleshoot solutions for protecting her neck of the village and their houses. Pam lives in a place called Penzance Point. 
The point juts out from Woods Hole Village and wraps around Great Harbor. Pam lives in a private neighborhood on the point. Pincent's Point used to be an island before a causeway was filled in and a residential community was put there. But the area is in a particularly vulnerable spot. In 1938, a hurricane ripped through the point, making it an island again. It was obviously patched up, um, but it still remains uh, a spot that's vulnerable to, to flooding in, in high storm conditions. This is Joseph Family, a climate and sustainability team lead who worked with Resilient Woods Hole. He walked me through the Resilient Woods Hole walking trail, along with all of the things that HUI and the other scientific organizations have been doing to bolster the village from storms since 2019. Resilient Woods Hole started its work by finding flood pathways around town. One of those places is Stony Beach, a community beach off of Buzzards Bay. You know, we're standing here in the middle of the dune in a, a walkthrough. You know, as people have used this beach over the years, um, there's basically a cut between people people's use and maybe some, some storms and waves coming up and, and pushing through to the, to the parking lot. That cut path between the dunes creates a conduit for floodwaters during a major storm. Stony Beach, Eel Pond, and the School Street Marsh are three major pathways for those floods. Resilient Woods Hole is working to patch up those identified pathways to keep water out or to control the flow during an intense storm. At Stony Beach, Joe said Resilient Woods Hole is working on nourishing the beach by replenishing the sand in the dunes. The dunes will act as a natural barrier against floods. I think uh, some modeling into whether or not uh, a small beach nourishment would help break waves before the dunes to preserve the dune a little bit more. But it's, you know, it's looking like a dune restoration is, is an easy solution. Stony Beach is naturally protected, since it is surrounded by these rocky groins that jut out into the water. But on either side of those groins, you can see that private beaches have degraded, and they have rocky rather than sandy beaches. The shorelines are cut much further back from where Stony Beach is. There might be some landscape solutions, uh, you know, building a wall or a berm um, in their yards, uh, if that's permittable. Mm -hmm. But Stony Beach is not the only place in town that scientists are working to protect. From Stony Beach, you might walk down Millfield and uh, and go to the, the Woods Hole Park. Um, that stop talks a little bit about the, the flood pathway from Gardner Road, but it also addresses potential for um, sea level rise. To, to the app includes stops from all over Woods Hole that look at changing habitats and low-lying vulnerable places around town. Those include athletic fields and roads that are washed over during floods. Scientists then helped the town and local businesses find ways to protect their vulnerable spots. The Steamship Authority is raising up its terminals to improve resiliency of their docks and loading areas. A restaurant near the steamship terminal, the Landfall, has also improved its resiliency, not by raising the building up, but by letting the water in. And Joe said that's actually a very common solution. The Landfall restaurant is half on land, half on bulkheads that suspend the restaurant over the water. During a storm, staff move all of the furniture off-site. Panels have been cut into the floor so that when waves crash against the shore, the panels will lift, easing the pressure from the water and letting it flow through the building. Hui has its own plans to rebuild its dock so that it's above the floodwaters. Laboratories have been restructured by moving equipment around and out of basements. Each institution has a plan for pulling out flood shields to protect boiler rooms and electrical equipment that can't be moved. It's hard to tell. I think we're still in the in the middle of, you know, what's the way forward. Um, we our first kind of take at adaptation was to put a bunch of, of ideas on the table and ask the community for their feedback. 
um, and we're still going through that process. Lots of local villagers were happy to join Resilient Woods Hole in their efforts. This scientific village can't really exist without the, the people in the town. So, you know, they've definitely been aware of... People in Woods Hole are no strangers to severe storms. Joe said the working groups are all about the villages and the scientists coming together to protect the village. When I'm working with communities, trying to, to like make the distinction be, between being prepared for a storm, which you know Woods Hole is pretty familiar with, having dealt with. I mean, it has it's been a while, but Hurricane Bob had pretty severe impacts down here. Versus living with a daily tidal flooding condition on your property, which there are places around, um, especially the Mill Pond, that may have to deal with that in a in a high sea level rise future. I'd say there's like varying levels of concern based on where people live. In general, keeping the the character and the function of the village um, is everybody's priority. Joe said each resident has lots of options for protecting their houses. That's why you see a lot of these houses getting elevated because mm -hmm. FEMA requires you to allow storm surge to pass through so that the building doesn't fail. There are some things that people can do to um, keep water out, um, and, and some of them do include sort of like drop-in door barriers. All of the steps that scientific organizations and residents have taken are collected in the Resilient Woods Hole Walking Trail app. That trail was put together to advertise resiliency so that tourists can get an inside look into what it takes to protect a destination like Woods Hole. We hope that people and in the neighborhood, as well as people passing through, either visiting Woods Hole or stopping at the ferry, waiting for their boat to go across the island, can just access more information about um, vulnerability, adaptation solutions, and the, the initiative in general. Um, mm -hmm. There's starting to get some momentum um, behind Resilient Woods Hole. Woods Hole is not the only area of the Upper Cape that is working on resiliency. This is Caroline Malloy, co-president of a Mashpee nonprofit called Save Papanasset Bay. I grew up in Papanasset Bay my entire life. My family started coming to Papanasset back in the 40s, and so it's been multiple generations of love for the area. Caroline said that, compared to other Cape towns, Mashpee has limited public beach access. That makes places like Papanasset Bay particularly important. The bay is protected by a privately owned spit that the public can use for beach access. We all call it our happy place. Save Papanasset Bay was founded more than 20 years ago when residents realized that the bay and the spit, along with their accompanying ecosystems, were endangered by climate change. In the past 20 to 30 years, there's been an influx of 100-year storms, nor'easters, uh, hitting our coastal water lines, and Papanasset Spit has absolutely been a victim of um, climate change, which is part of the, the fight we have here. These storms have created significant damage to the spit, and part of what we do on an annual basis is to replenish the damage that is done every year by these storms. Part of our mission is to fight climate change and uh, make sure that this area is to be enjoyed uh, by future generations. The Papanasset Spit was particularly endangered by Hurricane Sandy in 2012. Save Papanasset Bay worked to bring the beach and the spit back up to snuff. Before and after photos can be seen on the organization's website. 
In 2016, the nonprofit won an award for the best preserved beach, but the work isn't done yet. Caroline said the organization wants to place 400 cubic yards of sand on the spit to build it up for its protection. She said Upper Cape locals can help their mission by volunteering. There is no shortage of help that is needed, whether you have a passion for wildlife and environmental restoration um, or just business operations, admin work, legal, government relations, uh, making sure you vote in your community. It was Steve Irwin Remembrance Day this week. Uh, and with wildlife and natural resources so close to say at Papanessa Bay's heart, there was a quote that really stuck with me that I'd love to leave for the community, which was, when we conserve wildlife, we preserve humanity. Uh, we're all one and we need to fight climate change head on for the next generation's quality of life. This beautiful area that we've been given as a gift, what can we do to preserve it? And so if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? Caroline added that Save Papanesset Bay has to work to keep the community engaged in preserving the beach. Part of the other challenge we face, which is not uncommon to other climate change initiatives, is that the work here is never done. It's not going to be done in our lifetime. This is an ongoing effort that we have to live with. And uh, redirecting the fatigue of donors and volunteers and really re-educating our community that um, the importance of this work uh, is ongoing and um, making sure that our fundraising sources and our volunteers really feel passionately and the same that we do about the work that continues and making sure that this happy place uh, is not forgotten. Caroline and her team of volunteers are not alone in this. Representative Dylan Fernandez spoke at the opening of the Resilient Woods Hole walking trail about the ongoing work to protect the Upper Cape from sea level rise. Hi, I'm Dylan Fernandez. I, uh, I live here. It's always fun doing things in, the, in my hometown. I mean, I, I, it's, it's always a little weird, too, because I like spent my entire life here, literally here, the houseboat, the blue one behind me I grew up on, and I live right up the street. Um, so it's always fun to do things in a, an official capacity uh, in the place you grew up. And then, you know, as a, as a millennial, uh, there's no greater issue that's gonna impact my generation, my children's generation, than this one. Climate change, sea level rise, uh, and, and the impacts that go with it. Dylan Fernandez argued that while Massachusetts is still at the forefront of cutting emissions and working to combat climate change, there are still larger forces at play and only so much can be done. As someone who grew up here, and this is literally my favorite place on, on the planet, but it's, it's tragic to understand that no matter what we do, no matter how much money we put in, I'm going to lose, we're all going to lose some places that we grew up in and have come to really love. And that's going to be a really hard process, I think, for us as a community to go through. But it's important that we are working with CZM, working with the institutions, working with the town to make sure that we have a really smart plan in place so that we can protect the places that we can and also have a, a really serious conversation about having to give up places that no matter how much we spend, they're not gonna be here in 50, 60, 100 years. So we have a lot of work to do. It's an important time in the legislature to put on every the institution's radar. We have an environmental bond bill coming up this spring which we would like to see a lot more a lot more funding going to CZM, going to the Municipal Vulnerability Preparedness uh, Agency. And so more work for us to do to, to put 
the resources necessary for towns like Falmouth, the Cape and Islands to adapt to the urgency of global warming and its impact. So thank you guys for having me today and um, love to see a million dollars being put to good use. Today's program was written, hosted, and produced by me, Noelle Annanen. I want to thank Leslie Ann McKee, Joe Famley, Pamela Harvey, and Caroline Malloy for their help on this episode. To learn more about Resilient Woods Hole and Save Papanasset Bay, follow the links in the description of this episode. The Upper Cape Catch comes out every Friday, just like our newspaper. Check us out on our Facebook page or our website at capenews.net. You can also find our papers at your favorite local business, and we have an app that is free to download on the App Store and Google Play. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Upper Cape Catch.